We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everybody and welcome into episode 831 of the pack a day podcast my name is andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl Unfortunately, I am not joined by the one and only Ben Fennell today. Uh, Ben, unfortunately, was feeling a bit under the weather, so here's hoping that he has a speedy recovery and gets well soon. I know I'm certainly bummed not to be talking to him. I was really looking forward to picking his brain and seeing what he saw on defense, but uh, that just means I get to do a little bit more heavy lifting today, and we'll be kind of going through all of my thoughts. I had the opportunity to rewatch the game on uh, NFL Game Pass on the you know condensed version of the game, and as I mentioned on Twitter, every once in a while I'll go through and I'll watch the you know condensed game right after the game is done like I did today. And sometimes I will feel like, hey, 
that wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was. Other times I'll be like, whoa, that was way worse than I thought it was going to be. And today when I rewatched it, it felt exactly the same, exactly as I expected it to. It was just a disappointing performance. It was a flat performance. There was no energy from the Packers defense in this game. The, the defense got outcoached, outplayed, outschemed, outperformed, every, any way that you want to look at it. This was an abysmal showing from the Green Bay Packers defense. And I'll get into some of the, the statistics and everything in just a little bit. But at some point, you have to at least, you know, kind of question a little bit. I think Matt LaFleur has been tremendous, but at some point when you have these lackluster performances that kind of just show up out of nowhere, and this one's a little bit different, but the game against the Chargers and the 49ers uh, a season ago, even to to some extent, the NFC championship, the game against the Buccaneers, and now this game against the Vikings, it just, it didn't have the same level of intensity and energy as they normally had. And I don't know if that's a, a locker room leadership thing. I don't know if that's they need somebody who can maybe set the tempo and set the pace a little bit more. I don't know if that's a you know something where they're not on the right routine. I don't maybe it was daylight savings time. I don't know what the heck it was, but that energy was lacking again in this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that was kind of my first takeaways. Something's got to give. And Matt LaFleur did make some mention of this in his post-game press conference as well, that, you know, the coaches have to do a better job getting the players ready and things like that. But these these random lackluster performances that seem to come out of absolutely nowhere are perplexing. And it's worth noting at this point that, you know, you, you don't always know, even though the Packers have won way, way more than they've lost under Matt LaFleur, it's a, you don't know what you're going to get on any given Sunday. And I guess to some extent you can say that about any NFL team, but this just feels a little bit different because it seems like to some extent, either they have it or they don't. And if they don't, things can kind of get out of hand relatively quick. You know, the, the Vikings put up 21 unanswered points at one point in this game. So uh, those are the weird things that have kind of gone on over the course of the last couple of seasons where, again, you just have these performances that don't match up to their overall resume and talent and things like that. And to some extent, it's starting to get at least somewhat concerning. I thought the other big takeaway from this game was really that just this loss, in my opinion, belongs on the Packers defense. And maybe that's a, you know, Captain Obvious moment, but you can certainly point to the Packers offense in the second half and say that they had their fair share of struggles as well. And, you know, whether they overcame adversity well and things like that. But at some point, it makes it incredibly difficult for the Packers defense or the Packers offense, excuse me, when the defense simply cannot stop the opposing offense. It puts so much pressure on the offense. I can't imagine. Now, besides the 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 play at the end of the second quarter where basically uh you know Green Bay ran one play and then got out of there which I'll go over more in just a moment besides that play basically Green Bay had the ball two times on offense in the first half scored touchdowns on both of them and by the time they touched the ball in the second half for their third drive of the game they were still down by 7 points they scored every time they touched the ball again besides the one play one rush before the end of half where they couldn't really do much every time they touched the ball they scored a touchdown and they were down by 7 with 10 minutes left in the third quarter when they first got their opportunity to touch the ball that's incredibly disheartening for an offense when you've done everything in your power. And then to add on top of that, when you go down on the opening drive and score a touchdown and give your defense a 7 nothing lead to start the game, you're feeling really good. And then it's a bit dejecting, to say the least, to have the defense go and give it immediately away. 
And then what does the offense do? They respond with another long, lengthy touchdown drive, give the defense some time to rethink, see what the Vikings have done on offense, be able to put maybe a counter together. And what do the Vikings do? They go down and score a touchdown right away again, basically chewing up all of the clock and not allowing any time for Green Bay to score again at the end of the first half. Now it's 14-14. The Vikings get the ball to you know, start the second half. What do the Vikings do? Go down and score a touchdown. So Packers get the ball back finally, now down 21-14. They have their first bad drive of the game. They have to punt the ball away. And what do the Vikings do? They go down and they immediately score a touchdown. So it feels, the weight of the world feels like it's on the Packers offense at that point because they feel like they have to score a touchdown on every drive. And that's why you saw Matt LaFleur be a bit bit more aggressive and go for it on fourth down on a couple of those drives in the second half where they had turnovers on downs because they felt like they had to score a touchdown on every single drive. And that is massively frustrating from an offensive standpoint when, again, you're going down and scoring and doing your job through the the first half and, and the defense just doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. And that's been the story more often than not through the course of this season. And, you know, we can go back a lot further than that, but this has been the story. This, this defense so far this year, they've made a couple plays here and there, the pick six by Chandon Sullivan, the safety by Jair, a couple plays, but more often than not, this defense has not they, they they haven't held up their end of the bargain and they haven't held their hat on anything specific defensively. I know going into this game, you know, you could say, well, you know, they didn't give up big plays. They haven't been giving up big plays and they've been getting a lot of three and outs. Well, today, I think they had one three and out today late in the game, basically it, when it didn't matter all that much. But outside of that, they weren't getting, you know, three and outs in this game. They still didn't allow the big play, I guess, other than the, the Dalvin Cook screen pass that went for a big play for a touchdown. But outside of that, this game was mostly devoid uh, of the big explosive plays on offense for the Vikings. But even then, you still gave up that play. There was another long run by, by Delvin Cook on the ground. And you're, you, it doesn't matter if you're not allowing big plays that the team can go 15 plays, 75 yards and score a touchdown every time. And you're not getting the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. So you're not getting turnovers. You're not getting pressure. You're not stopping the run. You're not holding to field goals. You're not getting three and outs. You're not fully stopping explosive plays. And even when you are, you're letting the team go the length of the field and you're not getting those stops. So what is it, as Zach Cruz so eloquently put it a couple weeks ago, and I reported, you know, uh, repeated it here on the podcast, what is it that this Packers defense does well at this point? I would love to know because I, I don't think the answer is anything. And I think that's probably a perfect time to transition in to the defensive problems in this game and just kind of going over the overall defensive performance. And was this a Mike Patton thing? Was this scheme? Was this execution? And I think you have to look at all of it. All of it sucked, frankly. And, you know, I think you guys know me well enough to, you know, know that for the most part, I'm looking for silver linings. I don't like to be negative. But at some point, when you go up against a one in six football team and you can't stop them at all, you have to look at yourself hard in the mirror and say, what What the hell are we doing wrong? Because this should not have been that big of an issue to, to try to go out and stop Kirk Cousins in this Minnesota offense in windy conditions. And Green Bay had no response, no response whatsoever. And you have to know that going into this game, the goal was to shut down Delvin Cook. And you had to know that Minnesota's goal was to get Delvin Cook going. And you had zero answer for that. He got it done through the air. He got it done through the ground. He had 226 total yards of offense of their 324 yards. Over two-thirds of their overall offensive production went through Dalvin Cook. We bashed 
the Houston Texans for their ineptitude in stopping Devontae Adams and never having an answer going double coverage, etc. Well, the, the Packers deserve the exact same bashing that we gave the Houston Texans a week ago for when the Packers had zero answer or response to Delvin Cook and his four touchdowns, all of their points, over two-thirds of their yards, both through the air, on the ground, it didn't matter. Green Bay had zero answer for Delvin Cook. So let's look at it. Was was this was a scheme? Was this execution? So it's a, again, it's a little bit of both. So from a, a scheme standpoint, Mike Patton played a lot more base defense than he normally did. A lot more heavy sets. You know, he was trying to make it so that the the box was a little bit more stacked. Even his, you know, gave his team an opportunity to play a little bit more physical against the run. And to be fair to Mike Patton, those guys up front did not get the job done. We didn't see Kenny Clark making plays behind the line of scrimmage. They lined up Zadarius Smith about a trillion times over the center like they did against the Vikings a season ago with a ton of success. Zadarius did next to nothing in that spot. It was basically him running into the center, getting stopped, and that was the end of it. The edges didn't set the edge for a good portion of the game. Kingsley Kiki's had you know had the opportunity to make a stop in the hole and uh, make, you know, get Delvin uh, Cook for either a, a tackle at the line of scrimmage or a loss of yards, and you know, Cook sidesteps him and gets a huge run. How about the, the little toss-up to Adam Thielen that was uh, basically you know, at or behind the line of scrimmage? Josh Jackson has the opportunity to tackle him right there. He doesn't, and instead of being uh, tackled for no gain, it goes for 12 yards. You know, Delvin Cook on the big touchdown you know, screenplay uh, Vernon Scott's got the opportunity to make a tackle in the open field and at least stop it from being a touchdown. Whiffs completely. Nowhere near uh, making a tackle on Delvin Cook. Those are the type of plays where we can talk about scheme and the defensive coordinator, but at some point, the players on the field have to go out and make plays. And in this game, and through the most of the season, the defense has not. You know, we saw a couple plays from Kamal Martin. There are a lot of other plays that Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes. Uh, did not make the right play. They didn't have the, you know, weren't playing the right gap, but there was a couple specifically by Kamal Martin. And when you run two rookie linebackers at inside linebacker, including a, you know, fifth round pick and an undrafted free agent from time, that's going to happen from time to time. To me, the biggest thing, and I go back to last year, the biggest thing last year for me was the lack of talent along the defensive line. While everyone pissed and moaned, to be frank, about needing more wide receivers uh, and about needing more weapons and what they should do and taking a quarterback and, and all this stuff. I vehemently said multiple times, get Kenny Clark help along the defensive line. That should have been 1A address this offseason. And I, you go back to last year, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, and you probably already know what I'm going to say. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Chargers, in the two games against the Niners, Green Bay could not stop the run, period. And when you can't stop the run with the guys that you have on your team, at some point, you've got to make some changes. Green Bay did not have the horses up front to be able to make plays. And some of it was on scheme. Once again, if we want to talk scheme or execution, but a big chunk of it was on talent. And you know what? Since last year, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, those guys are all playing worse and it's not close. It's not particularly close at this point. Those guys are all playing worse than they were a season ago. So your top three defenders, the guys that actually were good, even against the run a season ago, they're playing worse than they were last season. And oh, by the way, Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams, um, you know, Dean Lowry, 
uh, those that group, Kingsley Kiki, they're still not up to the task. And Christian Kirksey, even when he was in there, was not the answer. I think they found two relatively nice players in Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, but it's going to take some time for them to be fully, you know, ingrained and, and, you know, knowing where to be and at the right time and playing together and those sorts of things, understanding what Kenny Clark and some of the defensive linemen are going to do in front of them and playing off of each other. Those things are going to take time. And these are the type of results that you end up with. And when you go throughout the off season and you're only means of trying to fix that front was signing Trayvon Hester to a minimum deal, signing Willington Prevalon as an undrafted free agent, signing Billy Wynn, who hasn't played in a couple years before the season started. That's not good enough. So yeah, there's uh, this is not to absolve Mike Pettin of blame. This is not to absolve the players of blame. This is not to absolve Brian Gutekunst of blame. This is to blame all of them. Because right now, this defensive group, especially along the front line, just simply isn't good enough. The pressure's not there. The run defense isn't there. And as I mentioned, the, the laundry list of items that the Packers aren't doing on defense right now, you can go through it. And it's just, frankly, not enough. And something's got to change, whether that be on a personnel standpoint, whether that be a scheme standpoint, whatever it may be, I think we can all agree it's just simply not up to task at this point, And it's going to have to improve if this is a team that has any real aspirations of advancing far into the playoffs. I want to talk about a couple other things that, you know, maybe didn't go so well from a scheme standpoint in this game. I talked about already that, you know, you had to find a way to control Dalvin Cook, but this is also a game where you've got to find a way to make Kirk Cousins beat you. And by doing so in windy conditions, you have to make him throw down the field. He had 10 interceptions in his first six games. And in this game, and frankly, he didn't have to throw the ball a ton, but in this game, Green Bay did nothing to challenge Kirk Cousins and make him throw difficult passes down the field. There was a ton of off coverage once again. And if you look at Kirk Cousins' passes, his 11 completed passes, all of them were below 10 yards. All of them were, many of them were at or near the line of scrimmage. The screen passes, the little bubble plays, some play action boots. There was no challenging these wide receivers. There was one contested catch on the 11 completions. That was a play where he's still playing off coverage and Adrian Amos uh, put a nice hit on the wide receiver right as he caught the ball. That was the one contested catch on the day. Instead, it was a ton of off coverage and a ton of soft defense against Kirk Cousins on a windy day. Again, that's just mind-blowing to me that you would allow... Kirk Cousins to have that type of vision and just not press the receivers at the line of scrimmage and force him to throw the ball downfield, especially with the issues that he's had throwing into contested situations so far this year. It just, to me, again, when you put in windy conditions on this to make it even that much harder to throw downfield, why you would not press and get up on those receivers. I get that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are good wide receivers. And if, if you're not careful, they can beat you deep. But at some point, you have to trust your corners and you have to see what Kirk Cousins can do throwing the ball down the field. To have every single one of his completions under 10 yards with soft coverage is not good enough. And it's just another one of those scheme things. So again, the talent you can question, the player's effort you can question. The scheme, you can question. To me, all of it should be under the microscope. And it all goes back to what Matt LaFleur said in his postgame press conference where, you know, he called out everyone as well. He said that everyone's got to be better from coaches to players. They got to figure it out because he knows and you know, and I know, and San Francisco knows that on Thursday night, they're going to put in a very similar game plan to what they did in that NFC championship game. It doesn't matter, you know, what running back is out there and whether Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing passes or not. 
if they have the ability to run the football on Mike Pettin's defense and this group of players, I don't, Jamichael Hasty might go for 200 yards, frankly. So it's got to get fixed and it's got to get fixed very, very fast. The other issue, just no turnovers, you know, and one turnover in the last four games, this is not just a Minnesota Packers issue. This has been going on for four weeks now where Green Bay has not been able to, to get turnovers. The one turnover they got was basically in garbage time after the onside kick last week. Yes, you know, Houston maybe could have done a little damage there at the end if they, you know, uh, didn't get that turnover, but uh, that really should have never even happened had the Packers just got that onside kick in the first place. And instead, uh, Texans get the onside kick. Henry Black forces the turnover. That's the one turnover in the last four weeks. And I go back, I, I said this a lot last year, at some point as as the defense, you have to eat your vegetables. You have to do the heavy lifting on early downs and stop the run and get the other team into second and third and long situations so that you can be aggressive and you can get after the quarterback and you can cause those turnover worthy plays. And until they do that and until they get better, it's not going to happen because Minnesota had no pressure on them from a, I'm not even talking about, you know, the defensive line putting pressure on Kirk Cousins. I'm talking about they weren't in pressure pack situations. You know, the only time that they were in some of the second and third and longs was, you know, later in the game. And a lot of those they even converted. There was never like a game on the line moment for the Vikings. It just, it makes it very easy to play offense when you can dictate what you want to do. You can run, you can pass, you can go play action. You know, you can do any of that at any time. And because of that, it, it it makes it hard on the defense and it's their own fault because they're not making the, the early stops and early downs to get Minnesota in, in difficult, you know, downs and distances. So that's got to be something that changes as well. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, let's move over to the offensive side of the football as I mentioned, uh, to me, this this loss was squarely on the shoulders of the defense, but uh, there were certainly some some good things and some bad things with this Packers offense that I want to discuss. Uh, I thought, first of all, you know, the first half looked really, really good. They go two touchdown drives. You know, uh, Jay Sternberger had the really clutch catch on fourth down on the opening drive, which allowed them to convert. I thought Matt LaFleur was very creative. Uh, I thought the offense looked in, in total rhythm. Uh, they get 14 points in the first half. It looked like it was going to be a difficult day for the Vikings defense. And then if you look at the the second half where things started to go a bit awry, it was just a, a couple really close type plays where Green Bay just didn't execute at the level that they needed to in this game to, to kind of go punch for punch with the Vikings offense. You know, the first play was the deep ball to Robert Tanyan. And I, 
I'm not going to criticize Aaron Rodgers here because I think any deep ball in this game was going to be difficult with the wind blowing the way that it was. But if if Aaron Rodgers completes that deep ball to to Robert Tanyan in stride, that's a touchdown on that on that play. And instead, that drive ended up going four and out. And instead of being 21-21 on a you know uh, on a perfect completion to Tanyan, uh, they ended up not scoring on that drive in, in Minnesota, maintain their seven point lead. And then on the same drive. Uh, two or three plays later on third down, Equinemius St. Brown had the opportunity to make the kind of diving catch on third down to convert, move to first down and keep that, that drive going. And again, hopefully converting uh, and, and getting a touchdown on that drive to keep it close and keep it 21-21. Instead, EQ drops the ball and they have to go for it on fourth down. I thought that was a gorgeous ball by Aaron Rodgers. I thought he put it exactly where it needed to be for Equinemius St. Brown and EQ just couldn't come up with the big play. And that's one that he's got to find a way to catch. And then the very next play, fourth down, uh, this was a vintage Aaron Rodgers play. He gets pressured. He steps up in the pocket, rolls to his right, on the run, throws an absolute, I shouldn't say it's like an absolutely beautiful ball because if you look at it, it's like it's fluttering like a duck in in some ways because of the wind. But like he legitimately put it exactly where it needed to be for Equinemia St. Brown. So it, it ended up in the perfect spot. Again, the ball looked a little bit ugly, but it was a it was a perfect spot on the ball. Puts it right in the back of the end zone. Harrison Smith misjudges it. And if you look at Equinemia St. Brown, he takes a step back towards the football and towards the front of the end zone. And if he, instead of taking that step forward, if he stays where he is or takes a step back, he catches that clean without having to jump and without it being contested. It's an easy touchdown catch. He misjudges it. And, and again, to be fair, the wind is going to play some effect here. You can tell Harrison Smith misjudged it as well. But if he judges that correctly and just goes up and or just takes a step back, he catches that uncontested for a touchdown. And again, Green Bay goes, you know, scores a touchdown. It's 21-21 and Green Bay's still right within that game. Instead, even though he took the messed step, he still gets his hands on the football. That's a, that's a play he could have made. He doesn't come down with it and it's a turnover on downs. And then you go to the very next drive where Green Bay had the ball. And uh, that was the drive where Rodgers had Sternberger wide open, um, you know, streaking open over the the middle of the field on a a deep crosser. And Rodgers just flat out missed him. And again, I know the win can play a part, but at some point, uh, these were just the plays that the Green Bay needed to make in this game to keep it close and and to have a chance to win. And whether it be Rodgers or Equinemius St. Brown, they just weren't able to make those plays. And I I, the reason I bring this up is because I think from a, a a scheme standpoint, from an execution standpoint, I think things were very close in this game to putting up a lot of points and being able to go, you know, move, you know, point for point with the Vikings, even though they were scoring on every drive. It was just a couple plays here and there where Green Bay just came up a little bit short. And again, that's why the, the, the pressure was so great on this Packers offense, because one or two mistakes here or there were enough to, to to really turn this game around because the Packers defense was not stopping the Vikings offense early and often. And again, they had 28 points on their first four drives in this game. So I go back to that, just a couple plays that they could have executed better on. They didn't. And the result was a loss. Some positives, you know, I thought Robert Tanyan and Jay Sternberger both really had, you know, nice days. And how much would we be talking about Robert Tanyan right now, if going back to last week, if Rodgers hit him in stride and he, you know, completed that for a touchdown or at least got deep down the field. And then this week, again, if, if uh, Rodgers hit Tanyan in stride again, and he goes for another touchdown, he probably has, you know, two, almost what, 60, 70 yard plays in back-to-back weeks, potentially with two touchdowns. If Rodgers hits him in stride or if they're on the same page, 
Um, instead, it's still a couple really nice weeks for Tanyan, but he had the opportunity for a couple massive plays there where, where Rodgers just missed him by a little bit. And it were it was still big plays, but not what it could have been. I think we'd be talking a lot more about Robert Tanyan if those were just, you know, throwing a little bit on a slightly better trajectory and allowed Tanyan to run, Tanyan, I guess, run uh, under it and, uh, and catch and make the run after the catch. So, uh, I think I think both of those guys played well. Again, Jay Sternberger had the, the key third down reception. He had three catches for 46 yards, and he also would have had a much bigger play as well, or a, a big play period, had Rodgers not missed him on that play. So they already combined for 125 yards uh, of total offense on eight catches for those tight ends, and could have been much more. Um, you know, probably would have been over 175 yards if uh, if those two balls were completed in stride to Sternberger and Tanyan. So I think that was a really positive step for those tight ends. Um, you know, Tanyan's been pretty good. He's struggled blocking at, at times, but he's been, you know, certainly better this season and has really taken a step. And again, I think we'd be talking about him a lot more. Uh, ahead had a couple of those plays just went a little bit different. And Jay Sternberger too, I think he deserves credit for the way that he plays today. Uh, let's go over Devontae Adams just a little bit. I think with Devontae Adams, you know, he had the three touchdowns. He had seven receptions, but you could tell Minnesota had a plan for him. You know, seven catches was was nice, and the three touchdowns was nice, but uh, it was only what like you know fifty, sixty yards somewhere in there. And Minnesota was uh, was really focused on making sure that he did not get deep, that he they didn't beat him long, that he was not a consistent target throughout the course of the game. They played a lot of cover two defenses. Aaron Rodgers went over in his post game press conference, and uh, they were not going to fall ill to the same mistakes that Houston made a week ago or that they made in week one by trying to go man to man coverage. They did have the one man to man play early in the game with Jeff Gladney where uh, Adams beat him for the touchdown. Um, That was about it. And a lot of times they played a a lot of zone coverage, which is not normal for a Mike Patton coach defense. They completely switched it up. Give credit to them. Um, They were a a step ahead in this game and the way that they played. And oh my goodness, what a play by Eric Kendricks in cover two covering Devontae Adams down the middle of the field. You just don't see many inside linebackers have that ability to, to run stride for stride with Devontae Adams and make a play that was a perfect ball by Aaron Rodgers. It was right on Devontae Adams' hands. And if, if Eric Hendricks was just a little bit off on that play, uh, Devontae has another big gain. So um, just some big plays from Minnesota's defense. And again, they were very attuned to to making sure Adams didn't beat him. And by doing that, they, they played a lot of cover two and made Green Bay go the length of the field and, and not get those big plays down the field. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And then the last thing I'll say on the offense is I do think you want to start seeing a little bit better offense when the adversity hits. And again, this is another situation going back to the Niners and the Chargers uh, last year and the Buccaneers this year. 
you just want to see the offense being able to to get back in those games a little bit better. They did, you know, get back in it late in the game. They had the touchdown and the two point conversion, but uh, kind of a, a little bit too little, too late. Same with the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. They made a little rally, but it was too little too late. Same with the Eagles lost a season ago. You just want to start seeing them be a little bit better under adversity. And it's tough. Those those are difficult situations. When people talk about wanting, you know, another Packers receiver, you know, I think those are the type of situations where you really look at when Green Bay's playing ahead and you know they're they're within the confines of the Matt LaFleur offense and they can run past teams that have to honor play action and the bootlegs and the jet sweeps and things like that things go really really well for this offense when they get behind and they have to throw their way back in you start seeing things go awry a little bit and I think that's kind of what happened again against Minnesota they had to throw their way back in you didn't see a ton of separation even against a bunch of backup corners to be fair I mean Cam Dantzler goes down in this game uh, you know, they, they, they were already super short in the defensive backfield. They suffered like two or three more injuries and it didn't really seem to matter. You know, you didn't see guys consistently getting open, uh, at the receiver position. And when you hear people talking about wanting another receiver, this is why you want to see green Bay being able to kind of punch their way back into games by getting some plays down the field. And again, conditions played a part in this game, but I think that's what you talk about. And I think green Bay's got to find a way to be better in those adversity situations in the second half when they're losing and start putting some points on the board so they can get back in the game. A lot of people will talk about the the conditions in this game and the penalties, and there were certainly some really questionable calls. I thought I thought the pass interference call on Jair Alexander was questionable, but then when you pick up the the pass interference late in the game, um, I, I, I against the Packers, you know where the Packers were going to get the automatic first down and, and maybe be able to to keep things rolling a little bit instead of having the turnover on downs. I just thought that was egregious on the referee's end. Uh, I thought that pass interference play that they picked up late in the game was way worse than the Jire play um, or the Josh Jackson play. The Josh Jackson play to me probably should never have been pass interference because the ball seemed uncatchable, but I still think you could get illegal contact or maybe a hold there on Josh Jackson. So I don't know. The, the, the penalties were an issue. The, the weather conditions were an issue. And I, I mentioned that on, on my YouTube video on Sunday in my three keys to the game where I thought this game was really going to come down to how Green Bay handled some of the variables in this game, and the big one being the wind. I think when you have a game that really favors the run game and it basically mitigates the advantage that you have in Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins, and it really accentuates the advantage that Minnesota had with Delvin Cook over Jamal Williams in this game, to be frank, with with you know um, with Aaron Jones being out, with David Bakhtiari being out, I think that gave a little bit more of an advantage to the Minnesota Vikings because they had their you know their full run offense in effect, and it also again because Green Bay wasn't passing quite as much, the lack of Minnesota's pass rushers didn't play quite as much of a part. It just it it kind of dumbed down the game, and instead of this being a, a game where everything was on the table for both teams, which is advantage Green Bay, it really makes it much more of a, a run first type of game. And again, that that leaned, that lended itself better to to the Minnesota Vikings in this game. So, I don't think either of those things are a worthy excuse, and they're just excuses in my opinion. I think Green Bay's got to be ready for December and, and bad weather football. This is Green Bay, Wisconsin. You better be one of the best teams in crappy conditions because you play eight games at Lambeau Field and you play one at Soldier Field every single year. That's the oppor- and you know that's the opportunity for nine. Um, you know, outside weird weather games every single season. 
So you can't use it as an excuse that, well, maybe another team was built better for it. You're the, you're the Packers. You play in this in this weather in November and December and January every single year. So you have to be prepared for those type of games. And that that's supposed to be an advantage for the Packers. Um, and you know, from a ref standpoint, yes, the, some crappy calls. And I thought the, the Vikings definitely benefited more. I just thought the Vikings were the better team in this game. So you can, you can talk about, you know, the, the, the weather conditions and the penalties playing a major factor, but to me, it didn't necessarily take away the fact that Minnesota was the better team and Minnesota deserved to win this game. And maybe had a couple of those things gone a little bit differently. Yeah. Maybe Green Bay sneaks out with a win. Um, but I'm not sure that they were necessarily deserving based on the way that both of these teams played. I, I saw Zach Cruz uh, post on uh, his article, his, his kind of gut reaction article after the game, um, kind of calling out the the Packers for maybe being front runners a little bit. And I thought that was an interesting point of discussion. And um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before of how, you know, Green Bay plays well when they have, you know, the the leader, they're, they're tied and they can run the full Matt LaFleur system and have everything at their disposal. But when things start going a little bit wrong, they don't have that same ability to move the ball downfield and to get points. Uh, the defense plays them much more straight up. They're not looking at the play action. They're not looking at those jet sweeps. It's just basically the the receiver trying to to beat the corner across from them. And Green Bay hasn't been great in those situations. So I do think that there's some truth to it. I don't think Green Bay has been great against adversity over the course of the last couple of seasons. I do think when when things are going well and and everything's running the way that it's supposed to, they can get up and their offense looks like it's running under all cylinders. But when all of a sudden things go a little bit south, they haven't responded well. So I, I don't know if that makes them front runners or not. I don't know if that um, you know means that they can't respond. I thought they responded well in the in the Lions game earlier this season. But I do think Zach brings up an interesting point, and I think it's something that Green Bay is going to have to answer. Football is a game of adversity. And I, I go back to last season. One of the, one of the things I, I think we still don't know about Matt Lafleur is how he, as a coach, has his and his team deal with adversity. Last year, until this point, they still haven't lost two games in a row, and they ha- the, last year they basically went uninjured. For the they, they lost Devontae for what four games, something like that. Outside that, they were almost completely healthy through the course of the year. This year, they've been more banged up, but they've mostly been able to get away with it. Uh, The injuries to me have not been the difference in them winning or losing football games. They just haven't had a ton of adversity over the course of his last season and a half. And to his credits, because they're winning football games, right? If you're winning football, there's not going to be a ton of adversity. But there can be adversity inside individual football games. On, On the season as a whole, maybe not a ton of adversity, but in games, they have had adversity and they haven't always responded to it well. And I think that still has to be a major question uh, for Matt LaFleur and this team moving forward is how they can respond better in those situations. Because this is just another example of uh, a game where I didn't think they did a really great job of doing it. Uh, Mike McCarthy preached all the time about adversity football. It came out of his mouth as almost as much as uh, pad level and all the other Mike McCarthyisms that you want to uh, go over from his tenure in Green Bay. But he talked about adversity football all the time. It was something that he really stressed. And I'm not saying Matt LaFleur doesn't stress it, but um, again, you're starting to see some signs where it might be something that they need to spend a little bit more time on. 
that kind of does it for my recap of the game. Um, I did a recap on Packer Report that is up uh, or will be up on Monday morning uh, at uh, around 8 a.m. I believe it's going to go up. So make sure to check that out and you can catch everything in in great detail if if you want to review that as well. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline before I get out of here because I think that is at least noteworthy. It's going to be my last time to talk about it on this podcast before the trade deadline is over. You know, people have talked about whether it be a Will Fuller, there was another report from uh, NFL Network today that Green Bay remains uh, one of the top teams in discussions for Will Fuller. I, I think, again, I, I go back I, I go back and watch my YouTube video from a, a few days ago where I said if, if Green Bay should make a trade or not. I believe they should. I'm not sure that they're one piece away, but I think that this makes sense for the time that you need to go and get a piece for this team because I don't think this roster is going to be better over the course of the next couple seasons. You're going to have to cut some players. You're only going to get a couple of those big free agents back. I just think there's going to be a little bit of time where you might need to do a little bit of a reboot. And I think the time is now. I still think this is a very good football team. I know it may not feel like it after that Minnesota loss, but I feel like they need some help. And I go back to what I said earlier. I, I go back to what I've said all off season. People can talk about wide receiver all they want, and I, I'm not going to be mad if they go out and get Will Fuller or, or a top receiver to help out this team. I certainly think it could help, but to me, getting Alan Lazard back on offense is is going to be that addition. And, and Aaron Jones, this team scored points without even some of these these you know really good players on offense. I think if they get Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones, and start clicking on offense, you know, or you know, getting everyone back on offense, I think they can score points with anyone in this league. But that the the weakness along the the run defense and along the defensive line to me has to be addressed and I, maybe that's going out and looking at a player like a Brandon Meebane or a Timmy Jernigan who are out as free agents I don't personally I don't think that's going to be the answer but you got to try something at this point and if you can go out and I don't think Quinton Williams is really an option I don't necessarily know that that's the best option I still think Shelby Harris could be an option I don't care frankly, at this point. I just think you have to do something because I've said it all last season. I've said it all this season. They just don't have the talent in the front to be a dominant run-stopping team. And I think that that's ultimately going to be their kryptonite on defense. And I think if you can go out and get a Shelby Harris who can help you against the run, he can also provide some pass rush. I do think he can be a player that can help get you over the top along the defensive line and really make an impact on this team. Give Kenny Clark some help add a little pass rush. I think he could be a player that helps, but the name honestly doesn't really mean too much. I just, they need to go out and they need to find somebody to me who can help them be a better run team. And they got to figure out this defense and it starts this week. And whoever they, even if they do make a trade, whoever they would get would not be available for San Francisco, obviously anyway, but they're, they're, they need to be better against the run needs to start this week against San Francisco. The defense as a whole has to step up. It, it kind of starts being put up or shut up time. If you want a good seed in the NFC, it's already going to be really hard now to get that number one seed. I, I still think there's an opportunity there. I think the NFC West is going to beat up on themselves pretty bad. I think New Orleans and Tampa will start um, you know, getting some losses to each other. So I think there's still an opportunity there. And the Packers schedule the rest of the way isn't exactly absurdly difficult. But uh, you need to start winning these football games. And uh, that starts this week with San Francisco. 
As we look ahead to San Francisco, uh, Green Bay opens as three-point favorites against the 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, and Tevin Coleman all went down with injuries and did not return to that game against the Seattle Seahawks. So on a short week, that is worth monitoring for a team that is already massively banged up. If you think the Packers are banged up, the 49ers are uh, to about 10 degrees above that. They have a tremendous amount of injuries. And now when you add in those three key players as well, uh, this could be a very beat up San Francisco 49ers team. So it's going to be worth keeping an eye on the injury report as this week goes along. I think it's beneficial that Green Bay's on a short week. They were really pissed off after their last loss. Uh, this was Green Bay's first loss in the division under uh, Matt LaFleur. And now he's going to have to try to avoid another first, and that's losing two games in a row, which he has not yet done as a head coach in the NFL. So I think this should be a good game. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's nice that you can kind of get the the bad taste of that Minnesota game out of your mouth and hopefully go out and play much better against San Francisco. They're beat up. This is an opportunity to get a win in San Francisco and get things going back in the right direction, get a little bit of a mini buy, hopefully get some players back um, and healthy. It'll be interesting to see if Kevin King, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, any of those guys are ready to go against San Francisco, you know, they could use a, a little bit of jolt from a return of any of those guys. But um, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game and we'll be breaking it down for you all this week right here on the Packaday podcast. If you haven't yet, make sure to check out my YouTube videos that I'm doing every single day over on YouTube. Basically a lot like this episode, but a shorter condensed version. I'm doing about a 10 minute video every single morning. Uh, it launches at 7 a.m. on the, the Packer, you know, Packer Day Podcast YouTube channel. You can also usually find it over on Packer Report. Um, you can find my recap article on Packer Report today. Uh, so make sure to go out and check that out. I break everything down in great detail from what I saw in both the game and on my rewatch of the game. Uh, make sure to check out our Pack-A-Day podcast tomorrow. Um, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Sorry, I'm giving you a laundry list of homework uh, assignments here, but I uh, really appreciate your support. You guys know that. Uh, can't say it enough how much I, I appreciate all the support that you've given both myself and us here at the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'll leave you with one final thought. Please vote. Please do your civic duty. Make sure to get out on Tuesday if you have not already and uh, get out and vote, whoever that may be for. Just please do your civic duty and uh, go out and vote. So, that does it for me. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.